1957, a section from the Kukuravatiya Sutta. This is called the, the Kukuravatiya, the dog duty ascetic. It's quite humorous sutta. You read There's a, an ascetic who likes to practice like he's a dog. He walks around on all fours, drinks out of puddles. And he has a friend who's an ascetic who likes to practice like an ox, who kind of stands around and lies down in straw. And they say, we've been doing this ascetic practice for all these years. And they ask the Buddha, well, after all our asceticism, you know, my practice as a dog, or, you know, I must have burned out a lot of bad karma. What's the result? And the Buddha says, don't ask me. <laughs> so he says, no, tell me what he said, don't ask me. So it's third time, so okay, you asked me three times, having been asked three times, the targeter cannot refuse. Since you've been practicing like a dog, your destiny will be to be either be reborn as a dog if you've done it good, or to be reborn in hell. <laughs> Slightly humorous. So he says, rather than doing all these silly things, so think you're wearing out karma just by taking on these particular activities um, this is the best way to do it he just gives a brief exposition on the four kinds of karma I'd like you to bear in mind <coughs> particularly um, we're looking mostly at one of, the, one, one of the first kinds of karma but also really keeping in mind the last kind first so there are three kind, four kinds the first is dark action with dark result so this is negative karma dark action with dark result um, here one um, takes life uh, abuses living beings takes intoxicants so forth you know, break. dark results so it's nice to call it dark rather than good bad because you get a feeling this is more like a feeling tone the mind feels dark and here it says though the language may seem un unnecessarily cluttered generates an afflictive bodily formation so as I've said the main th what you're doing here is you, you create a sankara it's not just one moment blip you had a naughty thought and it's gone but if you keep doing that then you create a current whereas every time you think you go down that track so you generate an afflictive formation an afflictive sankara so that means you remember it or it comes back to you because the channel is there same thing with the speech same thing with the mind you think in certain ways you foster particular emotions or you get, you get programmed into particular like jealousies or grudges and things of this nature bright action with bright result here one generates an unafflictive bodily formation such as abstaining from taking life um, generosity harmlessness same thing speech and mind this leads to a bright destination <coughs> <coughs> and the phrase that goes along with this is thus a being's appearance is due to a being one reappears through the actions one has performed a being's appearance is due to a being you know just kind of 
let that sit there for a while because when we get to the fourth kind third kind is when it's mixed as I said before this means there's a bit of muddle here we do a bit of dark and a bit of bright you know you, you kind of sort of running out the, running out the door in order to do somebody a favour and you kick the dog because it's getting in your way <laughs> so some good some bad <clears throat> thus a being's appearance is due to a being now the last kind is neither dark nor bright with neither dark nor bright result action that leads to the destruction of action wow this is the volition in abandoning the kind of action that is dark with dark result the volition in abandoning the kind of action that is bright with bright result and the volition in abandoning the kind of action that is dark and bright with dark and bright result this is called the action that leads to destruction of action so phrase it abandonment so um, letting go, detachment, dispassion um, and phrases that don't appear is there's no formation you see it doesn't say generates an abandonment formation it doesn't say that there's no, there's no program there's no yeah? and it doesn't say a being is due to a being there's no being, there's no self karma so the, the actions Right, that lead to further karma proceed from the, in, the inherent experience of me, a being, an identity and they give results in another me, another identity the action that, aban- that leads to the end of action does not proceed from the sense of me and it doesn't give rise to the sense of me this is the action of insight you know, this is the kind of movement of insight we come out of program we come out of what we've learned we come out of the conditioned and it doesn't it's not me as I said before in this process of the, the movement of the Dhamma I don't concentrate what occurs in accordance with Dhamma is that concentration comes because of dependent upon the cause and condition of um, rapture rapture depends upon the causal condition of um, excuse me um, ease serenity, rapture joy, gladness uh, freedom from remorse so these are this is not me doing it it's just that certain causes and conditions fill up and flood and they, they generate other causes and conditions you get, if you like get a transpersonal causality of conditions mm-hmm. so that's the process of Dhamma it's not me doing it you know there may be this kind of sense of me doing it or reclaim ownership of it uh, and so it's just this is I think this is a really nice little piece of this so the karma that leads to the end of karma is not me getting rid of my karma because that's karma that's, that's karma that's, there you are doing it again and that's probably some negativity so when we think I've got to get rid of my bad habits I think that's not going to do it it may be a nice idea to start from but it doesn't do it because that's me doing it again you 
and, and all that happens is we get a sense of negativity towards ourselves and stop being this way, stop being that way. Maybe, you know, nice idea, but it doesn't happen like that. It happens through this causal process of generating, touching into the good, tuning to the good, letting the good swell up and move, you know, speak, you can, so there's a steering of it. And the process, so that's, you know, process of Dhamma, which has two aspects, calming, making you, making, giving rise to a good feeling, not just because it feels good, because it makes the mind expansive, steady, intelligent, intuitive, and then insight is looking into the causes and conditions, so then there can be this kind of an abandonment occurs, because what is seen is, well, that's, that doesn't, that's not necessary, that's just painful, so it stop doing, stops doing that. It tunes in. There's abandonment. Now that's that's the kind of liberation process. <clears throat> but it's always uh, understood that um, this piece of karma depends upon skillful basis. So we work on two fronts. One is in setting up the programs, the conditions, the sankharas that will keep the relative sense, the me sense, keep it in touch, keep it from running out, keep it in a good place. Uh, that's maybe, you know, 80% of our practice. And it's, it's a wide practice, it's not just meditation. And then from that beginning to look into you know, how this sense of me is, is either not generated, seen through, or relinquished, abandoned. So then there's the abandonment of that. Now in terms of the first aspect, which is perhaps the most easy to talk about, um, example I've chosen, I did mention the ten paramita. These are useful things to recollect generosity body, speech and mind um, sila being aware of behaviour through body, speech and mind renunciation tuning to needs rather than wants body, speech and mind persistence and patience and discernment truthfulness determination resolution determination resolution aditana loving kindness and equanimity mm. so these are these are kind of ways in which the good can be classified can be broken up into little pieces so in other words during a day you've got something you can kind of bear in mind I can be more patient I can develop I can do it you can do it a little bit you can do something then it gives you something to, to tune into and recollect at the end of the day so you've got some place you, you can enter your meditation feel it from the place of where the goodness is which is the place where we should ideally begin our practice 
in the causal process of Dhamma. Now, I've chosen here the <coughs> Sabhasava Sutta, second sutra of the Maj- Majjhima Nikaya, because it gives a reasonable range, and because it's called Sabhasava, meaning this uh, is these fundamental outflows or taints, um, which we've seen as as or trying to present as the most basic bottom line that you have to it's here it's on 42 yeah. <coughs> this may be a little bit dense But the idea is these are you, you, these these asava you can kind of tackle them from a number of ways, a number of fronts, a number of levels. So it's not just something you do through insight, but you 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 kind of tackle the whole lot of it by stemming the flow, by putting a block here and an obstacle there, so you can't it doesn't flow out. So you've got less stuff to have to repair. You, know, you can't quite, you can't build the arse of a program so readily if you keep these things in in mind. So there are seven, seven um, avenues, seven possibilities the Buddha presents here. First one is what's translated as appropriate attention, yoni so manasikara. That's the sankara. Means the skill of the defining mind the thinking mind or the, the mind that can conceive it's not the feeling mind it's the the defining discerning mind what's this, what's, the, what's a skillful thing to look at so it, it determines what to give attention to so we give a lot of attention to um, and it's very broad about this is said so if you give attention to things where greed, hatred and delusion arise then that's called inappropriate if you give attention to where they subside that's appropriate that's skillful so you might look at things like well TV how much, what do you watch, how much do you watch how good is it, skillful, is it useful is it appropriate, when is it appropriate when is it not appropriate these are not kind of hard line you know, judgments, just to know your own mind, to know what's happening for you. Um, what you what you look at, what you give ear to, what you attend to. Um, how many hours of violent television kids watch and people wonder why kids go out and shoot other kids in school. <laughs> well <laughs> you know there's a program there isn't there <laughs> shooting people is a good idea yeah what you run on mentally so if these programs get constructed to what you attend to then chances are that 
you know maybe when you're in a bad mood or you're overwhelmed you, or something you, you, your energies run down that channel and also he talks about um, goes into some detail in discussing ways to um, attend in terms of becoming an ignorance becoming an ignorance he says the main if you keep attending in terms of what was I what was I how was I what will I be having been what, what will I be am I am I not what am I how am I and so forth then this kind of attending in that way to those ideas is food for the asana of becoming in ignorance so becoming is that which always forms an identity so if you keep saying who, who, who it says oh you know you're actually stimulating that 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 asava and various kinds of views can arise I have a self I have no self and my big self perceives my small self my not self perceives myself and so forth this is called a thicket of views a wilderness of views a contortion of views a writhing of views a fetter of views so we can go around all that and uh it's quite a ride and it can be quite interesting at times uh, but this is, this is not conducive instead you attend in terms of um, um, this is where is the stress where is the suffering now where, what does it originate from where does it stop what helps it to stop so you attend like that that's wise attention wise attention covers the, instead of speculating about self it, it attends to the experience of stress suffering, tension you know unhappiness dis- whatever it is And where is that, there is this, this is the main bit <coughs> and then w- what is it based upon and what causes it to cease or where does it cease or in fact it doesn't go on all the time so I think it's also important to <coughs> get in touch with the places where, it, where you're, you're not suffering because no. we can think of ourselves as suffering all the time <coughs> you know so as a, as a Buddhist you go and get programmed into I am suffering I am just suffering suffering is all there is <laughs> uh, if it's not here it's because I'm not being mindful enough <coughs> to notice how suffering I am but sometimes you just so you notice experientially when it isn't there when it stops and that can be you know fairly circumstantial it might be through some in-depth release but it helps to balance out because fun, basically in terms of Dhamma practice you want to know even on a relative level when you're experiencing pain or conflict notice that in you which is not experiencing pain or conflict then you don't get um, stuck you don't get panicked you don't get locked you realize oh well 
you know, there's pain in my leg, but my shoulders are okay, so, okay. Whereas if it's just pain in my leg, there's pain, well, you know, we, we form around that. We might very well feel, oh, somebody blamed me, it's a rotten day, I feel blamed, I feel accused, I feel hurt, and forget or not notice she was nice to me, he was good to me, you know, the, the not suffering bits. So then we, in fact, sanctify suffering and augment it. So see, see both sides and then you can balance, the, you know, you find the place where you're comfortable and then you can attend to the discomfort from your comfortable place. Oh well, okay, well maybe things are life that or she was having a bad day or, you know, you can see it in perspective. So really it's this sense of how you attend. Your attention doesn't lock into where you just feel trapped, stuck, programmed. Your attention supports rather than hypnotizes, obsesses. Restraint, <coughs> guarding, checking. Checking the senses means that the we have some response, responsibility for our scent, for our eyes, ears. So you don't just let any old thing grab your eyes or your ears. Very helpful in, um, I guess, when you're going shopping, because <laughs> everything's out to grab your pay your, your paycheck, and you get home. Think, what do I buy this for? so that sense it's just check guarding it what you need to look at what's helpful so if you get that sense then the outflow of greed that, that sense outflow doesn't have so much free reign appropriately using <coughs> so there's four requisites for a monk, it's a good thing to reflect upon. For if you're not a monk, still the sense of you need. There are things you need: clothing, food, shelter, medicines. Uh huh. And then if you're getting those that do enough, that's you should. One shouldn't kind of get obsessed with these. They're there for a particular, serve a particular purpose. You know, for lay life, there are you know a few other requisites. Probably car is a requisite, wages are a requisite. Um, you know, insurance policy may be a requisite. <laughs> Just how much do you really need? And then needs will tend to stabilise. Uh, whereas wants don't wants get bigger and there's a lot of encouragement to to foster more wants and call them needs they're really wants they're really kind of fairy dust stuff so if you get clearer indication of what you need clear why you need it and that what you need serves what you need and that you know it doesn't 
do a lot more than that then it helps to again stop the outflow of um, into, into sense forms and into identifying with your car or your house or wage check tolerating patiently enduring ability to <coughs> endure painful feelings something to um, develop as painful feeling will come to us does come to us and it's good to practice bearing with you want to develop that capacity to, to tolerate as it's only so much you can ameliorate and someone was saying yesterday as you get older then you know pretty much you get more and more disagreeable feelings that you can't do that much about you've got to actually just bear with and not get depressed about so you don't let the physical feeling translate into an emotional feeling that's the point of tolerating it doesn't mean you know being super brave or just pragmatic you want to get these stuff that happens to the body to get into the heart and uh, take over mm. uh, so you know, I know people who suffer you know, extreme long term chronic pain and because of it actually have become extremely um, serene cheerful because they don't let their minds go into complaining and, and uh, struggling you know, because it just makes it so much worse they can't actually they can't bear another level of pain already painful enough <laughs> so more or less it forces a sense of well that's that and don't go there you know and the mind eventually learns you know to, to not to not dwell in that to not make a whole mental sign out of that avoiding <coughs> avoids dangerous things so there is the wild bull a stump <laughs> a bramble patch so we've got our pep talk about poison ivy and dams and mosquitoes when we got an open sewer so we you know, mentioned don't fall down the pit in the building site over there and I think these are perhaps um, you know more like uh, analogies and he, he really goes on to associating with bad friends so you avoid just as you avoid a pit you avoid uh, people who will tend to draw you into um, unskillful ways we are we are flock creatures so we tend to want to flock and associate flock even more important than fodder apparently for humans um, so you know, it takes a little bit of awareness and resilience as the Buddha said if you can't find a suitable friend it's better to be alone stay alone mm. and abandoned by destroying this is probably um, a difficult topic 
we'll have to look at that some detail the Vitaka Santana Sutta deals with how you abandon and dispel wipe out unskillful thoughts and it doesn't mean necessarily using a sledgehammer there there are a whole range of ways from the subtle to the insightful to the patient ways of not allowing negative moods to take over and dwell in the mind negative thoughts because they will create programs Um, as you repeatedly think then if you think in certain ways that creates the, the channel down which your thinking energy will run so you want to check that um, so it, certainly it, when you think of this as, as mental as verbal karma also um, I notice one thing that, that human beings quite like quite terms of doing is gossiping mm. you know, so you're telling tales and uh, things of this nature which um, is to be pretty unskillful I mean, it's a kind of because our flock habit is so strong you get together and we talk about you know so and so and so and so and so and you know, what she's like and you know heard about this one and she did that really oh yeah well <laughs> so so that, that can be a, a program you know that when you get together this is the kind of thing that can happen whereas it's better to have a program so that we don't do that you know if there's something that really needs to be said um, uh, or you ask my opinion but we don't go <coughs> bad mouthing other people for the sake of fun for the sake of social contact these often contain little some of this stuff contains these nuances of psychological abuse so we caricature somebody we scapegoat somebody you know somebody we both know we think oh she's the she's the <laughs> you know she's going to be the fool guy you make fun of her so you know she becomes a caricature a figure of fun and it's something that people do and it really when you look at it, it is a form of psychological abuse you know down belittling and that person and does it do you any good it's kind of fun but you know what, what, when, what do you think they say about you <laughs> It's very, very unpleasant when you hear three years later that what the the group mythology about your behaviour is, you know, and you suddenly find out about it. You realise people have been talking about this for three years or so. It's very painful, <laughs> unpleasant to think what's going on about me, you know, how I'm being created without my knowledge or consent from all sorts of very tainted and distorted accounts so to refrain from that (coughs) developing (coughs) uh, this is a topic in its own right that hopefully we will revisit it's the main topic of cultivation for the unconditioned so this is very very much about guarding protecting, restraining, checking getting yourself in the right place in a conditioned plane and this again, this last one, the seventh developing is the Dharma process mm. to be developing. So
so developing then this mindfulness, the seven factors of enlightenment, mindfulness, uh, Dhamma Vijaya, analysis of qualities or investigation of states, persistence, rapture, serenity, concentration, equanimity. So these seven, I hope you don't mind me rattling them off, I can assume that they're familiar for you. And of course, there's a lot in that. <clears throat> and the, the rubric that goes along with it is dependent on seclusion, dispassion, cessation, resulting in letting go. Alternatively, dependent upon detachment, dispassion, cessation, relinquishment. So this is the insight process. So in a way, you know, the Dharma process twofold. First of all, establishing skillful or allowing skillful qualities to grow and develop, allowing skillful conditions, causal conditions, to create the ground of well-being, balance, and then they're both cultivated through letting go, and they, they result in letting go, in that through them you begin to let go of the sense, any sense of self with these, that arises and you use them to let go and relinquish the asava. That's the seventh. And that seventh is so big that I want to leave that till another day tomorrow, in fact, as we deal more with meditation. The last two days really will be on this particular area. Mm. So it's the first six particularly give you a sense of the scope of what I call Dharma training. These six paramita, skillful karma, setting up causes and conditions, remembering your intention counts of course, but also if you, you realize you do have to inherit the results of the kind of circumstances and context you live in. So if you can you know, guard that context make sure your context is not taking in all kinds of stuff it's not, going do, it's not going to do you any good actually being a bit more discerning about how much you take on how much you open up to guarding at that um, considering what you're going to, how you're going to use your resources your, your wages, your money how you're going to use that so all these these give you a nice kind of feeling of the, of the, the breadth of Dharma training you know, it's all conducive to liberation it's all skillful karma that will lead to the end of karma so I'll stop there for today <clears throat>